1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another bald movie. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Fruitville Station, a film that was written and directed by one Ryan Coogler. Uh, this was his first feature film. He'd done a lot of independent and short features before this. But this is his first to feature film, and uh, he and Michael B. Jordan went on to collaborate on many, many successful projects from here, including the the multiple Rocky spinoffs, uh, Creed, uh, Black Panther. Uh, I just found, you know, his current projects are? No they're pretty diametrically opposed in tone and subject but one is a LeBron James backed sequel to Space Jam okay yep uh which you know that's that's not even I'm not even mad that could be pretty awesome uh and then an yet as yet untitled Fred Hampton project do you recognize that name Fred Hampton
0: no should I
1: Fred Hampton was a 21 year old Black Panther uh, leader of the Black Panther faction in, in the, uh, Chicago that was murdered in 1971 in his bed uh, in a pre-dawn raid by FBI agents because he was a destabilizing influence on the United States. Um, mm. So interesting that the Ryan Coogler, uh, who made a lot of money, I'm sure, on Black Panther is coming back to do the the OG. Um this stars Michael B. Jordan, as I mentioned, um, who is fantastic. Melanie Diaz, which I haven't seen in a lot. I've seen her in some incidental things um, when I was looking at her uh, filmography. Uh, she had a uh, pretty memorable appearance in the HBO series Girls. Uh, what was that? The Bellico Project?
0: Uh, Bilco Experiment. Yeah. Bilco
1: Experiment. She was in that, apparently, which I did not see. Uh, and also the ever-reliable Octavia Spencer, who plays... Uh, uh, or Michael B. Jordan's mother in this movie, Oscar's mother. Yeah. Um, this movie is about the real life uh, murder at the Fruitville station in, on the BART transport system, the Bay Area, I guess, rail transport system um, as he and his friends were uh, going back to um, uh, their homes from a New York, a New Year's Eve celebration in San Francisco. And a lot of details are going to be familiar for anyone who's been uh, watching the news in the last few weeks months years um and uh yeah we thought it was like this is something that i've been wanting to see uh for a couple of years now and it seemed like it was a good time to do it jim what did you think about fruitville station
0: uh i i thought it was great um the the acting is excellent um which you would expect from a couple of those stars at least that you have mentioned uh Michael Michael Jordan. It's, yeah. it's a weird name. Uh, he's the Michael Jordan of acting, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Octavia Spencer, like you said, always great. I, I love her and everything she's in. Um, so that part was impeccable. Um, the direction I didn't find particularly flashy or interesting, it's, it's serviceable, it's utilitarian. It's what it needs to be in a movie like this. Um, doing no more, no less. And I I mean, I was compelled by the story, obviously. I, I The thing that I really appreciate about this movie is that they don't try to, it, it, you know, in, in some ways they do, but in other ways they very much don't try to make uh, Oscar Grant a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just, he, he comes across as a, a guy who has made a couple mistakes, is trying to better himself, trying to do the right thing. And just gets caught up it with with his past, you know. It comes back to haunt him in ways that he couldn't have foreseen, in ways that he can't do anything about. Um, and, and you know, it, it doesn't try to whitewash any of that and say, "Oh, like he he was this excellent example of everything you need right. to be in society." You know, he's he's cheated on his girlfriend slash potentially wife. Um, he he was in prison at some point. Uh, in mm-hmm. the past which is what comes back to haunt him but some kind of drug you know, gang related thing how how, how much f- are you gonna hold him accountable for that right and the movie right. kind of it i don't even want to say walks a line there it's just like this is a depiction of a person not a character right right and
1: you know the he was i think 20 years old when he's dead when when he when he died i think 22 years old yeah um but, but that's the point I, I i thought that this is an interesting i i I guess going into this, because I read the reviews and it's like, oh, you know, it's this uh, loving father and beloved son who gets killed. And I'm like, OK, so this might because every once in a while you get, um, uh, you know, the, what the media, uh, quote unquote, a perfect victim uh, sure. yeah. that, you know, um, he's is un, 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 unimpeachable from like a moral ethical um societal standpoint mm-hmm. uh but more often than not you have people who are flawed victims that have had run-ins with the law who've had you know struggles with uh um you know their employment uh, 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 the they they're no angels what what you hear that mentioned when they're talking about in terms of like whether they deserve to be um killed by police action or not. And I thought, um, I was really surprised to see this. Like the first half of this movie kind of shows this guy's struggle and suggests that, you know, he was trying to turn the corner. Like I'm sure, like I I know people like this. Um, I had I have a cousin who, you know, got mixed up in drugs and gangs, um, and you know, struggled and, you know, tried to fly uh, fly, fly right. Now he's 32 years old. He's got a house and he's married and he's got kids and like that's all this a like, crazy past, right? Mm-hmm. Um we'll never know whether um uh we'll never know whether Oscar Grant was going to about to turn that corner. The movie suggests it. Uh and usually when something like that happens, it's multiple corners turned, and then you get turned back around and your old life tries to pull you back, and but it is also shows the tragedy um, and how this is you know like a lot of times uh, you know when a black man gets killed it's like oh you know he's a thug or he's a criminal or he had all this background problems look at his arrest sheet. they don't talk about like you know uh, the children are going to grow up without fathers uh, the impacts in a family um, you know 30 40 50 100 people directly involved in this and their attitudes about law enforcement change yeah. and it's it's a it's a it's a, a rotten society and I, I thought it's a short film it's only about 90 minutes mm-hmm. and it does a really good job of just painting a day in this guy like this was the last 24 hours he was alive and and what was he thinking what was he doing um did he deserve to die
0: um yeah and I, I really like what you said about um, the effects of of the you know the death of Oscar Grant because the movie, very much wants to emphasize that and it does it by not showing it you know it's like it, it implies everything that you need to know about this like mm-hmm. the the final scene of this movie is so powerful like where it chooses to end the film mm-hmm. um says so much about the future of of the relationship between law enforcement and these people because of the actions of this you know this this one or two bad cops um, mm-hmm. who who just you know murdered this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And there's like, you know, I, I, did you do any reading about like the actual underlying um, criminal case here against the officers uh-huh. and whatnot? Yeah, I did um, a bunch of reading about it. Because that's the thing. It's like... um I don't know. Do you want to talk about the movie a little bit more? Uh, yeah, Like, yeah. because like sometimes like I feel like we get into the what the movie's about and we don't discuss the movie itself. Because no, I want I, to talk
0: about this. That, that's the thing. I, I wanted to point that out because the direction. I, I feel like that's the one piece of directing that made a lot of sense. Like, and maybe that's down to editing. I don't know. Or maybe mm-hmm. they shot you know forty minutes after that and just decided no, this is the best place to end it. But I right. thought that was like the one flare of editing that really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, and like you mentioned the cinematography being kind of like basic as a dude. I felt like it was almost very documentary. Like I felt like a fly in the wall in his family home as they're yeah, celebrating yeah. Uh, New Year's Eve when they're, you know, uh, on the on the train and everyone's kinda of bummed they're gonna miss the thing, but then everybody kinda of like comes together as a community to provide music and dancing and a festival for mm-hmm. I, I I thought that was an artist or, or, or probably an artistic choice to like, you know, um let the material kind of stand on its own but 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 as a result of this the things you can really talk about because you know it's very little in this in the sense of like traditional sets like this does feel like it was filmed in people's homes like it has that claustrophobic effect that like this isn't a set the cameraman is actually smushed into a wall and everyone like you know six people will barely fit in this kitchen etc yeah. um but what's left to talk about is performances and unfortunately I don't know what the secret sauce is that someone like Michael B. Jordan has that can make him this fucking charismatic. Um, mm-hmm. And for that uh, matter, Melanie Diaz, like they, um, they, they really, they really sell me of this like kind of troubled couple. They've had some trust issues. The fact that uh, Oscar has kind of like betrayed her trust on multiple different levels before. And she's not how sure how she feels about that, but goddamn, he loves their daughter. Mm -hmm. and you know um he loves his mom his mom loves him but you know even she has to give him some tough love and a flashback that he that i thought was a nice artistic grace note him going to the beach and kind of like trying to turn that final corner um and that that scene
0: is one of my favorites
1: yeah Um, i i don't know how guys like tom hanks denzel washington michael b jordan uh, they have this thing where they can just give natural performances. I can see when it do- they someone doesn't have it. Like, we've been watching a lot of Star Trek on our Twitch watch parties. And, you yeah. know, those old Star Trek, like, you get into planetary governor of the week and his retinue, and there's a lot of people that don't know how to act naturally. A lot of red shirts on Enterprise have no idea how to act like a fucking human being. Yeah. But these people, I mean, these the, the 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 everyone in this, like you know, Octavia Spencer, just again rock fucking solid as his mom, mm-hmm. um, you know this 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 you know rock in his life, um, and it wasn't like just all unconditional love, you know, like she gives him like like I said, there's there's a lot of tough love there, but I I, I don't know what it is about the performances because. At some points in the movie, he does like, I, I was like, fuck, when he was threatening his boss, like, clearly, like, if you don't give me his job back, I'm going to f- wait for you out in the parking lot and beat the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. But his, I don't know, it's like, but his boss doesn't really take it seriously. Um, But, you know, he's also capable, like, you know, like, he, he is capable of, like, violence under right conditions, yet. Presumably, you still
0: I, mean, I don't know what w- he landed in prison for, probably drugs. Right.
1: Right. Or some kind of maybe even like uh, snitching like he was loosely related drugs and that was a plea for a lesser sentence I don't know you'll get yeah. pissed off pissed off on these blood sub factions for sure to DG, DGF or whatever. Hmm. Um, but yeah I, I don't I don't know what the secret sauce that the, and this guy seems like he's always had it because you know um, I, this guy first came into my radar as Wallace on the, the uh, in the wire yeah you know one the original gut punch scene of the wire. Uh-huh. Um, late in season one. If you haven't seen it, fucking watch it now because I'm, i we're coming up on the 20th anniversary. I, I'm about to just like, just start spoiling The Wire in every podcast because <laughs> every time I talk a little spoiler, people get so fucking pissed. I'm like, come on now. Come on now.
0: It's 20 uh, years. You, you uh, had Bill, the time. You had the shit.
1: Bill Simmons spilt the beans on Stringer Bell 10 years ago. And I said, damn it, I better start watching The Wire. I'm not going to find out. That was 10 years ago. Uh-huh. But this guy has had, you know, this really impressive career as a young man and now as a as a full grown man, and I don't think he's going it, you know. I don't I don't think he's going anywhere either. So Oh yeah, he's too good. He's too
0: good to go anywhere. Uh
1: but what but what to say about the performances, you know, that you're he's able to connect with a guy who you know, like like uh this this he's portraying this man growing up in uh Oakland. And he's able to connect with the forty-three-year-old dude that l- grew up in the cornfields of Indiana. That's mm-hmm. that's that's impressive. The other thing I thought was interesting from a narrative perspective is this like last twenty-four hours of a man's life. Um, I was really skeptical that they were going to uh, like f- sketch this guy's life appropriately in those that period of time, but I thought they did. I mean, you know, I'm I, this this certainly doesn't capture the full width the depth and width of, of the, the life of Oscar Grant. But, um, I did feel like I got a pretty good, uh, working knowledge on, and I could see how, you know, like, you know, there was obviously a bunch of protesting. There were some riots about this, uh, this incident. um, mm-hmm. But I was able, this film, I felt contained all the arguments that you could hear on cable news of the day. You know, he's no angel. Oh, that might be true, but he didn't deserve to die. He was a father to this child. Oh, but, you know, it's, he should have thought of that before he went into prison, before he punched that guy, etc. You know, if he had just, like, I, I was reading court transcripts and the... Uh, uh, I guess the officer in charge of the scene, uh the lady cop said, you know, her official sworn testimony is this if this guy and his group friends had obeyed our verbal orders, then they would have been alive today. Um and uh, I don't know. How much more about the movie do you want to talk about before we get into the the social commentary part?
0: Uh I- I, I don't know. It's interesting. Like the, the scope of this movie is roughly 24 hours. Um. You know, it jumps back and forth in, you know, from new year's day, 2019, when he dies to new year's day or, or sorry, not 2019, uh, 2009. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, to, to 2008 and 2007. So, you know, we get glimpses two years back, but really it centers around this 24 hours. And I keep waiting in this film when I'm watching it for his luck to turn. Like, you know, he's he's on his way back to some uh some life that he can be proud of. Uh he's I, I keep seeing like, okay, well he's down on his luck at the moment, you know, but he's making good decisions. Uh and I keep waiting. I'm like, okay, when are things gonna go bad for him? When I shouldn't be waiting for that. I know when things go bad for him. It's that it's that New Year's Eve morning, uh, when he's murdered by the cops. That's when things go bad. That's what this movie's about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm so conditioned to just think that like things are going, no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you are, no matter, uh, what your luck is sometime. It's going to turn if you're a, uh, especially a young black man in this country, mm-hmm. uh, that I just kept waiting for it. Even though the movie right up front says, this is when things go bad.
1: Yeah. I caught this. I, I find myself doing that too. And I think that's, you know, some of the Kugler magic is that, um, it was still somewhat shocking when he actually got shot because yeah. like you said, I was like, well, what is the thing that's going to, like, I was kind of rooting for Oscar to make it through this day. Um, right. You know, and then like, you know, there, there's like this other stuff, like uh, it's things I didn't even think of, like his mom's reaction to like, Hey, I want to protect my son. I want to make sure don't drive, don't drive downtown. I don't want you to get, you know, cause you're going to drink and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know take the take the train and how she feels guilt about that, like oh my god, I was just trying to keep him safe, and I ended up getting him killed and,
0: and I uh, feel like she felt that she didn't trust him enough uh and that was the real core of the problem,
1: and as a parent, like I don't like I hugged my son a- after dinner and I'm like, I just like, I don't know what I would ever do if my son at twenty two years old if he had you know i could see, I'm not I'm trying to do my best raising this kid, but like, I don't know. I can see him getting a girl pregnant. I can see him having employment struggles. I can see him getting involved in like drugs, alcohol, gambling stuff, you know, that, that are, you know, human things. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'd always be rooting for him to turn things around. And that's where I got like really emotional. The idea that like he would be mur- either murdered or through some negligent accident because the officer that actually shot the guy swore that he thought he was drawing his taser. Um, Yeah. And, and and he sh- shot the guy in the back. But, like, the idea that you have a man on the ground, you got three guys on him, and one guy's on his neck, and you're expecting him to obey verbal commands at this point. Um, and if he doesn't, then you can use extreme pain or electric voltage or a handgun to enforce compliance. I just... I I, 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 I don't know. And I don't know how to fix it because this... It just seems like for generations, or at least a couple generations, the cops have been told that like the streets out there are dangerous. It's the most dangerous job you can possibly have. Every time you go up to a traffic stop, it's a gamble of your life. Mm-hmm. It's it's you against them. When the reality is, being a police officer isn't in, I think, the top 20 most dangerous jobs in the United States. Um you know, and we don't we don't allow any other latitude like, you know, if there's a high voltage uh, power technician has a bad day at work, he doesn't get go in, get, doesn't get to go and murder a customer or, you know, murder his boss because, you know, fuck, I was in a lot of stress and I was fearing for my life. Um, And the the idea that, like, I, I don't know, like. I think that like at some point the cops in the country have to kind of come to grips with the fact that part of holding arms and being entrusted with deadly forces, occasionally you're going to die for some, for some bad people. Um, And you can't kill 10 times as many people that as the people kill you in a year and have the society continue to hold you up as like a, a hero. Um, and it's not all the officers. It, and I thought that was another mm-hmm. thing that was really interesting how I feel like the the cop, as he's displayed, displayed in this movie, that did the most to amp up the situation was one of the the, the the big, the 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 one that was like paying out to be a bro. Like once the guy got killed, he's like, the fuck did you do? And he's like holding the guy's hand and trying to stay with him. Um so it's yeah. like you got the guy that's 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 using the n word and leaning on someone's neck, but maybe he would never actually pull a gun and shoot. And then the officer is maybe a little bit more polite and hanging back. He's the one that shoots him. Which one of those are the bad apples? Were they both the bad apples? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was the supervisor who got on a stand and said, "Well, you know, he wouldn't have died if he just listened to us." Is she a bad apple? Yeah. Um, are the officers that go on strike and resign their units when their fellow officers are held responsible? are they bad apples? Because we've seen in recent weeks that sometimes 100% of those squads and departments are bad apples, apparently.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's... it's Look, I'm not going to say that policing is not a tough job, but it's made tougher by the methods used by the police um, and the the things in particular that we police in this country. And situations like this, as police work becomes tougher, as more police are on the streets um are going to become more commonplace and Mm -hmm. the solution is not to double down on what's causing the problem the solution is to take a step back look at it and say what can we do differently not Mm -hmm. not can we do more of the same to fix the problem that this is causing and i think you know we're we're at i hope I hope we're at a turning point at this point with Mm -hmm. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and all all the, the many, many hundreds and thousands of black Americans who have been killed at this point that we are going to wake the fuck up and say that none of our solutions currently are working and we need to do something radically different.
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh, Brianna Taylor, and that's another, like, um, you know, everyone says the no angel defense. Like, apparently Brianna Taylor was an angel. Uh, mm-hmm. She was an EMT, uh, served her uh, community with distinction. She was murdered in the middle of the night in her own bed, shot nine times by two officers, serving a warrant for a person who had already been taken into custody at the miles Ronnie away arrest. from at the the address that they were at. And we're 105 days past that incident. None of the officers have been charged. Only one has been discharged from his job and fired for negligence. Um, you know, if you can't get justice for Breonna Taylor, uh, how the hell are you going to get justice for anybody? And I think that's also what gives the lie to um, the, the their no-angel defense. Because when you do have a perfect victim... Um, you know, no, nobody covers that, you know, it's not like Brianna Taylor gets like front page and continuing coverage and stuff and all this. And, you know, if if it's not for like the daily Twitter things about demanding justice for, uh, you'd be easy to forget, but like, You know, you you think of that and it's like so so many in the last few months where it's like no one and and you think about like one of the reasons this thing blew up really big, this incident in 2009, it was, you know, the era of of starting to be cell phones and smartphones and there was dozens of people filming this ongoing uh, act of brutality. And, you know, you could tell the police didn't like it. Um, So like and and I think you made a point like the things that we have, like. I don't want to get too hard on police because you're right. It's a tough job. It's certainly a shit ton tougher than my job, Mm -hmm. any of the jobs I've ever had. Um, But I think it's hard for us to charge these people with fighting wars on drugs and poverty and whatnot and not to see themselves as soldiers and not to see us as potential enemy combatants. Um, If we want our trusted neighborhood cops back, you know, like, I'm trying to think of like every time we treated like a public intoxication as if it was a felony, mm-hmm. like how many fucking people would be in jail, how many families would be disrupted, how many communities would fucking hate the cops that love them now. Um, and I think about like, you know, like in my hometown when, you know, young people would fight in the streets and stuff like no one went to fucking jail. The cops sent in there and uh cooled things down, called their parents and all that stuff. But like. It's this drug war, you know, going back to it's the wire, Michael B. Jordan, like if you like you, you, you criminalize these vices. Um, it's a double edged sword because it sucks to be addicted to drugs. If you're addicted to drugs, some of the drugs I think are fine <laughs> to be mm. quote unquote addicted. to. I'm addicted to caffeine. Sure, uh, me too. You know, um, I've, I've had periods of my life. Where I really enjoyed alcohol. I'm um, going through a period of my life where I really enjoy THC and. Um, I, I, I would hate to suspect that I would hate to do fucking serious time. And that's one of the other things in the, the criminal justice system. The idea that I can go into Ohio with a medical exemption card and shop at these very posh, very nice medical dispensaries at the same time that people in my state are serving hard time for nonviolent drug offenses. I mean, shit, we should be rioting about that stuff, too. But like we we got to, you know, sociologists. Everyone talks about like, oh, this is all just guilt and blame and all this other stuff. I don't think sociologists talk in terms of like guilt and blame. They talk about in terms of like, here's a societal problem. What are the root causes? What are we doing to attack those root causes? Oh, those things make those root causes better, worse and they reinforce themselves. We can stop doing that and do this other stuff. And they're against people that just want law and order and they want criminals punished. And they think that the brutality of the punishment and the conviction equals the um the 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 the, the uh, uh what am i saying a least amount of recidivism <laughs> that, <laughs> sure yeah yeah you punish a criminal and they'll get scared straight right you right. know they'll they'll yeah. come out of there and they'll be choir boys but we've found out i mean we've known for years that the opposite is true mm. um you know this movie is just very sad the last 15 20 minutes it's hard not to just sob through because like shit, this is something that happened over 10 years ago. It's something that's still happening. It's happening at the time. It, it's it's happening in this period of in, intense scrutiny over, you know, police brutality. We're still getting these stories coming out in the last few weeks. And like, what, you know, what the fuck? When is it ever going to end? Um, yeah, and
0: I, th- that, the last chunk of this movie, like everything from, you know, the, the train party on uh, is, like you said, it's heartbreaking. It's hard not to be affected by it. And especially the thing that really affected me was uh Octavia Spencer's performance uh yeah. as his mother I, Wanda I think her name is um mm-hmm. because she's trying to she's trying to keep her boy safe by mm-hmm. suggesting he take the bart instead of potentially you know driving drunk um g- getting uh, you know either arrested or killed that way um and and I I just like <laughs> When I thought about, okay, what, what does it mean to keep your young black son safe in America? Where Where is the safety? If, if you can't be safe riding the Bart home, uh, if you can't be safe literally lying in your own fucking bed, in your own house, mm-hmm. where's the safety? What is she talking about safety? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense.
1: But it's the way you know, like, uh, uh, it's it's how else do you do it? I mean, I've heard it time and time again. You know, I talk about Tanahashi coats between the world to me, but it seems like that's something that, like, <sighs> it's something that, like, white folks I think have a hard time understanding the extra education you get as a black person like hey here's how you handle cop situations and if something like this happens you got to do this and you don't ever do this and like if you get any of these rules wrong you might be dead meanwhile cops can break rule after rule force restriction after force restriction and say hey i feared for my life qualified immunity um you know what else do you do you 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 try to um it's just it's it's just a systemic victim blaming right you know um yeah. and it's I, there's a, I, I tried to hold it together, uh, but there's this moment where Oct- Octavia Spencer, his mom, uh, you know his her son's just died and she wants to go hold him while his body's still warm, <laughs> and she can't because his body's evidence in a murder investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you know what the fuck? That's such a I don't know how you ever get over that. I don't know how you ever get over um not being able to be there for your baby when he's di- dying and
0: not be able to to hold him when he's dead. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you do. The 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 things you can do are the things that she's done. Um, she she you know sued sued the police um in the city for uh <laughs> murdering her son and she's taken that money and she's done uh she's formed a foundation to try to get some justice for mm-hmm. other people who would experience the same thing. Um
1: so, what you do, and I I hate to say it, but probably all these individual efforts over the last decade or two have, you know, and the increase of cameras and being awareness, that's, like, it's starting to, like you said, I don't know if this is the inflection point, or if we still got another couple of years to go, but, yeah. like, that's, you know, I always get, like, I have got kind of freshly upset, because there's a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, when the George Floyd fund had gone over, like, $10 million or whatever, and people are like, oh, yeah, this family really needs all that money. I'm like, Man, you you do research. everyone's acting like the family is like, oh my god, we won the fucking lottery. It's all get Like most of the times, they start these foundations and they go into college scholarships and they go into yeah. like political reform and stuff. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, give the give the family of George Floyd ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this other scene I think that's kind of pivotal to the scene. I don't know, like where the this I I didn't have enough time to research everything that was apocryphal or where everything was sourced yeah. from, but apparently Oscar. Uh, um, uh, Oscar has this meeting with this white guy who's married and he's got this very well-to-do wife, and you know he intervenes and allows his pregnant wife to go use the bathroom, and they talk, and he said, you know, like how did you know? It's like you know that Oscar's talking about the reasons he hasn't proposed yet because he doesn't have enough money, can't afford the ring, and this this white guy uh, says, oh, I just yeah, I had the same thing, I couldn't get it together, I had some run into the law, I stole <laughs> the ring we got married in. And then I got my act together and I got this web design thing and he gives like you think like, oh, man, this is this is Oscar's chance to escape this this cycle and to make something of himself, you know, Uh, to have his qualities and then he gets shot later. But like there is that difference between like what you can can get away with, you know, depending on what color your skin is, where you grew up, how much money your family had, like you're offered so many more opportunities to come back from the brink than you are if you grew up with a different skin tone in a different area of the country where the, your neighborhood is policed differently. Yeah. You know, um, absolutely. And I, just
0: keep- and I I don't know if you know anything about Oscar Grant's life and I, I don't want to take this movie as gospel. What I do right. know is that it was wrong to kill him. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I do know exactly what happened during that moment because I've seen it. I, I went yeah. and I watched the video, uh, not, not from the film, but I watched the video from people's cell phones who were on site. Uh, I saw the, the Bart cameras themselves. Um, yeah, you, you know, the, the, <laughs> there, there's no disputing that fact. There was nothing mm. in those videos that should have resulted in a man's death.
1: Yeah. And it, it goes back. So there's, I, I've heard a couple things in the last few weeks. People are like, well, you know, like, like for example, the guy who got shot in the back, running away from a, a Wendy's that he had drunkenly fallen asleep in the, the drive through. Um, you know, if I'm that cop, I, I just heard this on a, someone who was talking about this on the news. Like, You know, it's like, how did those cops know that he didn't have a gun and he wasn't going to run into someone's house and take a hostage and cause a standoff and all that kind of stuff? I heard the same thing like there's this ridiculous case about two months ago where some diamond thieves, it was like something out of a fucking movie, uh, ripped off this local store and hijacked a UPS driver, uh, led a high speed drive with this guy as a hostage in a busy freeway in Florida, the cops cut him off and they get in a certain like a semicircle and advance on this thing and just just ventilate this UPS truck, kill both of the perpetrators, uh, kill the hostage, kill a man in a, a, a pulled over in a drive, wounded several others. And the suggestion was, well, what do we do? We just let these guys get away. And I'm like, that's not maybe it's maybe it's time to maybe do that. Like, you know what? If there's a half dozen cases where cops don't kill somebody and they run off and kill 12 people, maybe society will be, oh, okay, well, shit, man. We were... But, like, you, against a backdrop of people getting shot in the back fleeing, which, again, if you're a fan of pop culture, that's the number one. Like, if you see a law person do that or a soldier shoot yeah. a person running away unarmed, they're a bad guy. They're mm-hmm. always a bad guy. Right. Absolutely. They're never like, oh, well, you know, that's understandable. Who knows? That's always coded as cowardly, yellow-bellied, yellow-shitting shit. <laughs> and, I, you know, you just, just have dozens and dozens of those. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe we should try not killing them and seeing what happens. Because I doubt it's going to be this post-apocalyptic scenario that I feel like we're living in right now. You know, like, maybe we should police these minority communities the way... My neighborhood was policed uh, the way that many suburbs are policed, uh, because especially when a lot of the crime is drug crime. I just, god damn it, I'm getting so sick and tired of like doing the same thing literally over and over again for years and years, generations, and being surprised constantly that we have an ever worsening support, uh, 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 ever worsening solution result. I should
0: yeah. And you know, like I said, I hope things are changing now, and it's 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 great. It's nice to have all these anti-American racist symbols being pulled down in the form of statues Mm -hmm. and and names on different organizations and buildings being changed, things like that. Uh, But we got to do more than symbolic gestures. Um, You got to make substantive changes. You you cannot, you cannot just simply paper over this problem by saying, Well, we took uh, we took a, a name off a school. It's no longer now. It's going to be the Floyd School. Mm-hmm. Th- that's not enough. That's not enough. That's symbolic. That is not that is not a true change. We need to do major things, like you said, ending the war on drugs. The war on drugs disproportionately affects Black Americans in this country. Uh, it it should be treated as a health problem, much like mm-hmm. we don't arrest cancer patients. We right. we get them the help they need. Um, and you know, there's 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 risky uh,
1: behaviors you can take that increase your ch- cancer ch- uh, cho- choices, bad decisions. You know, obesity, absolutely. smoking, uh, eating burnt meat, uh, lots of things can increase or cause cancer. Yet we do not criminalize.
0: I, I mean, we tried. We tried that, right? Like yeah. we we tried it with alcohol. Look how uh, that ended. Um, yeah, and, and you know, blood it's, in the street. It's the prime example, and it should stick out in your fucking face every time you think about why marijuana is being treated as a schedule one drug right yeah
1: like you can't even you can't even research it has zero medicinal value there's there's no reason for you to take it in your body as far as the federal government has uh, is concerned
0: right um i'm pretty sure that basically every scientist would agree that alcohol has no medicinal qualities either and yet we we have as a society come together and said that is fine that is a personal choice if you would like to put this into your body um, mm-hmm. and experience the intoxicating effects, you can do so. Just don't commit crimes while you're doing it. And that's right. fine. That's the way mm-hmm. it should be. Um, and yet we treat this other substance, which is is less harmful, uh, potentially, is yeah. is maybe even more valuable, potentially, uh, as, as some some horrible crime, something that needs to be stamped out. And then we go and we police the communities where we think, it's most prevalent. Um, and those inevitably are the people who get stuck in these cycles. Um, yeah. And if, if we if you can't see the hypocrisy every time you take a drink of Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. you're not thinking you're not you're mm-hmm. not a thinking human being. You need to you need to just take a look at what you're doing and how it's affecting other people and just say, is this does this make any sense? Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's not just a war on drugs because like that's something I think also that's like it's it's refreshing to see people thinking about this in terms you know like for the longest time it was just uh you know cops shouldn't shoot unarmed people well they're no angel now people are looking at like. You know, if for thirty years, we've cut the budget of education. We've cut our social worker. We've cut our uh, uh, community programs. Uh, we've cut help to, uh, unempl- uh, uh, to, to uh, unemployed and social security benefits. We've cut um, uh, the aid to homeless. Uh, mental. Uh, we've, we've cut just funding to mental health. And we look around and and on these big cities, a lot of the like like uh, up to fifty percent of the budget goes to policing it's obvious that we're taking these holes that we've created fiscally in our society and we're papering it over with the police and we're, we're asking them to to do this impossible mission. Yeah. And like, you know, like I just saw in Cincinnati, 37% of our city budget goes to police. Um, A lot of people are wondering like, Jesus, what if you took half of that and you put it back into helping homeless people, helping people that are addicted to drugs, helping people that are having trouble putting food on their table for their, their kids, uh, finding housing, like, maybe we wouldn't have all this shit going on if we didn't do that. Like, it's, it's, and I think that's where, you know, it's unfortunate, I think, the phrase, like, defund the police has caught, caught on because people hear that and it's like, Jesus Christ, a lawless, you know, yeah. cityscape. But it's more of, like, restructuring and refunding, putting money to where it's actually going to prevent societal rot that inevitably leads to crime and has mm. always left led to crime in any generation you look at um and the redeploying that to the, the the actually attack like sociologists ask what are the root causes what are things that are actually going to the the to, to make things better let's try them and you know keep trying until we find something that works let's not keep doing the same thing we've always done and expect it to do something because you're every 10 years you're going to get you could you could make a movie every year uh, yeah. uh, about fruit uh, along the lines of fruitville station you can make a couple dozen mm-hmm. um and, you know, I feel like now people are like, because that's the thing is like the, the attention's on the people that get shot and killed. But if you talk about the people that just get their lives fucked over irrevocably by the legal system, it's 10 or 100 times that.
0: Yeah. And that's why the ending of this movie is so powerful, because this doesn't just this doesn't stop at, you know, his his wife, um, his wife to be or his mother or his daughter. Right. The devastating mm-hmm. effects will reach out through the community with everyone they ever know. Because what kind of opinion is someone who is friends uh, with T or friends with Wanda mm-hmm. going to have of the person who murdered their father and or son? You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ramifications here are enormous and, and we don't necessarily factor those in.
1: Yeah. and I mean, I really encourage everybody, if you haven't given it a shot, um, season three is serial. I think everybody wrote off serial after season two. But it does an in-depth look in the criminal justice system by do, going an extreme deep dive into a year's worth of cases in whatever county Cleveland is in, uh, here in our home state of Ohio. And there's one that stuck with me where there's this kid, he's very bright, he's doing very well, Except uh, had came from a good home, a black kid um and he did everything right and these cops still treated him like with brutality i think i can't remember cuz there's so many fucking crazy stories but i think he's the one that was locked in this a broom closet over a 3 day weekend he had to shit in buckets he didn't get any food and you know he went through this like you know he got charged and the charges were dismissed like 9 months later but he's gotten like so fucked over by the criminal justice system and there's this his the public defender was like this you watch this is going to fuck with him the rest of his life. The fact that he's been through this young kid, he was, you know, 18, 19 years old. This is his first experience. And he, this is in, and that, that was part of the story. It's like the next time he had to run with the law, he's defensive, he's defiant. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. And now he's back and he's a repeat offender. And like a lot of these cops that like, cause he, he sued the city and won some money and the cops like, relentlessly harassed him and his family, pulled him over frivolously. Like, I, I I just look at things and like, you know, that's why it's like, I, I used to be one of those big was like, well, Jesus Christ, how hard is it to keep your hands in 10 and 2? Say yes, sir, no, sir. Turn on your lights. Listen to the police instruction. But like, I've seen videos of a guy sobbing on his hands and knees while two officers bark contradicting order, begging, please don't shoot me. I have a family guy gets shot. Mm -hmm. I've seen a guy say, "Hey, I've got a legally owned weapon. It's a state that I'm. I've got a permit for it. It's right here in my back. Oh, pow, pow, pow! Like it doesn't matter whether you do things right or wrong with some of these guys. And when that happens in the community, the entire like it's you know, and then and then the cops in these communities want to be like, oh, you know, you were we're serving and you're protecting. We're your legal guardians. And it's like the more direct." Hands-on experience you have with that element of the criminal justice society, uh, system, the more you you kind of heart turns dark about it. And once enough of society hits that, it's already in there with poor poor black communities, even affluent yeah. black communities. It's getting there with a lot of poor white communities that are seeing a lot of this stuff with opiates and meth mm-hmm. uh, destroying their communities, just like it destroyed the quote unquote ghettos in the 80s and 90s. Like once enough society just stops buying into law and order, then you got fucking Mad Max shit. And I uh, kind of like I like law and order. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I like it when it's impartial and fair and, and is there to like, you know, restore people, restorative justice rather than punitive. Um, and God damn, we got to find out or like it, you know, enough people buy stop buying into it. It's it's bad, bad, bad scene. So,
0: yeah, it's just a it's an, a philosophical change that needs to happen here um, with our our quote unquote law enforcement. Um, another thing that I really like in this movie is the way that they sort of contrast two situations. Um, and the 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 thing that it says about um the difference when you're interacting with police versus interacting with normal people because there's a scene mm. and you you brushed up against it uh, when you were talking about the wedding ring stuff, um, where he he goes up to a shop owner whose shop is clearly closed. Um, the guy's wanting to go home or whatever. And he, he says, Hey, uh, my girlfriend and her friend need to use the bathroom. Can they go in? And he tries, you know, essentially to, to bribe him with a 10, 10 bucks or whatever his last $10. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the guy eventually, you know, he just, he talks his way into that situation. And he's like, okay, uh, yeah, you're, you're a human being. I'm a human being. I understand your needs. Let's, let's go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they get in and they go to the bathroom. So he has successfully talked his way through that situation, mm-hmm. and then he tries that with the cops. Um, right. th- there's one line in there where he says, "Like, oh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of this," and he he like stands up to to talk to have a rational, reasonable conversation. Look, man, we're with just the trying cops to We're screaming
1: the N word in his face. We we don't want to be arrested. We're just trying to get home. You know, it's right. two o'clock in the morning. Yeah,
0: and, and he thinks he can. It, in a, in a normal situation, you could talk to the other person on the other side of that and come to some. Right reasonable agreement here that's not what was happening here and he failed to see that and so you know it cost him his life it shouldn't have but um Mm yeah i like how the movie sets up that juxtaposition between those two scenarios yeah uh and there's a lot
1: a, a lot of that you know um i just think of like you know his mother's last visit to him in prison i thought was an interesting contrast to like uh you know kind of the joyful family re- the, the kind of family reunion style new year's eve celebration they had one year later um there's yeah. a lot of that compare and contrast stuff um and you know like i just like uh, uh yeah i don't know uh that's the problem with like the, the he's no angel defense no one's an angel and everyone's <laughs> an got angel. their best like you know this guy he uh uh, I thought it was an interesting grace note that he dumps this... Uh, he dumps, like, two pounds of weed into the Pacific Ocean. It's a lot of and, money. And as the guy was going up there to, like, meet him to, you know, do this deal, and, you know, this guy's kind of bums like, hey, I drove all this, all this way. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. And he gives him, like, you know, his last eighth and some money. He's like, hey, here's for... I appreciate your drive. Like, yep. you know, and doing that thing, is like, there's also, like... Some of his some of his buddies thought like when he talked the women into being able to like not have to piss in the streets that they were going to go like, oh, we just agreed to like, it's just the women going to be that. And then like some of his buddies and he's like, no, no, that's not what we agreed to with this guy. Yeah. Like everyone has their moments of decency. Everyone has their moments that they regret. It's just Mm -hmm. like, man, I'm so glad I didn't get shot to death on the five or six moments in my life where I probably could have been. You know, uh, I was in the wrong frame of mind. I was in the wrong place, at the wrong time. And if the cops had been there, and you know, some of them, some people got a little jumpy and shooty, I'm, just, I'm I'm really glad that that never happened to me. Um, sure. So, it's uh, I don't know. I don't. I like I said. I. <sighs> It's one of those things where, like, I talked about this in the Three Right Turns episode a couple weeks back, where you know Run the Jewels dropped their newest album, and it's got a line where Killer Mike's talking about, you know, uh, you watching a person like him being choked to death by an officer on TV until you say you can't breathe, and people are like, oh man, you must have written that verse last week, because this thing literally dropped a week or two after uh, George Floyd got killed, and he's like, no, this literally happens all the fucking time. I was writing this about Eric Garner that happened six years ago, and, you know, when I, I just like, I just sucked my teeth when I saw this guy leaning on this guy's neck, and,
0: you know, like- This movie from 2013, an incident from 2009-
1: yeah, and I'm thinking like you can maybe justify this of like this was like fucking uh one cop and he's got no backup and he's 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 trying to maintain control and he's got a crowd of bloodthirsty people like if it's some kind of fucking Mogadishu situation mm. where you got one down helicopter and and you're trying to you know put you kneel on a guy's neck to get, like but you know you got you there's nine officers at the scene. Mm um and a bunch of like kind of happy new year's eve traffic people there wasn't like it's just it's just crazy it's crazy um yeah I, and and like you i just don't know i i hope this is an inflection point and uh it's 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 i i i've gotten a lot of hope because i've been talking to a lot of my friends and family who have been you know the law and order they should just listen shouldn't resist they're no angel like there's a different in the way they're talking about that. Um, And that kind of gives me hope Um because that stuff sounds really good. If you come from certain parts of the country and you don't have, you don't have experience with the kind of policing that you get in some of the other areas, that stuff makes sense. Um, But then you actually see with your own eyes and uh change your
0: yeah. mind. I think it's easy to apply that to something where, um, it it happens in an instant. It's like, a, okay, well somebody made a bad decision somewhere along the way and somebody ended up shot. It's a lot harder to justify that opinion when it's nine minutes of somebody's Mm -hmm. neck being kneeled on until on camera, until they pass out. Uh, and, and you have bystanders, emergency medical technicians like, Oh, you've got, you've got all these people around going, you're killing that guy and nothing is done about it. It, It's a lot fucking harder to have that viewpoint. Yeah, when it's a sustained or someone's murder, l-
1: literally shot, fleeing in the back unarmed. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's uh or you have an EMT, you know, come home from a hard shift of saving people's lives, get shot in her bed nine times. Yeah. And the cops file zero injuries. What zero, order should she have listened to? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, a, it's a fucking sickness that we got in our society and, and there are cures, um, but they're, they're going to be tough and, uh, they're going to have, we're going to have to get a lot of people on board with them. So, um, yeah, if you're kind of on the fence on this, um, I know that this stuff tends to rankle people's, um, uh, feelings and opinions when we talk about it, man, I just really encourage you to really, to, 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 to dig in, do, do your research. And, uh, you know, if you, and, and if you think people should die because they don't follow police instructions, then say so. Um, because I don't think a lot, I don't think the majority of people think that's true. I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, people that have no experience with law and law enforcement, um, should be the ones, the onus is on them to get through an interaction with police who are heavily armed, heavily armored, have tons of backup and support, um, have all the society's esteem and power and and trust that we put in them. I don't think the onus should be on the civilian to come out of a nonviolent police interaction and not be killed, you know? Yeah. I have a very difficult task now. Uh, we've been for several weeks talking about pretty difficult, intense things. Um, but next week is the 25th anniversary of the movie Apollo 13. And we've had it on our calendar that we wanted, we, you know, we both love that movie. We both love space travel. Uh, it's a feel good movie of when uh, the world came together to uh, treasure the lives of three men and spent tons of money and intellectual capital and. Uh, uh actual capital to bring them home safely uh because human life is precious and and these these people were brave explorers uh and then that following weekend's July 4th when we're ostensibly supposed to feel really good about our country and how we declared independence it's kind of absurd uh <laughs> against this backdrop um yes. but you know we we can't stop uh celebrating our our better selves as as we demand change uh to to curb our our worst influences or instincts so uh hopefully uh people see this as a a breath of fresh air i love this movie yeah Uh, i think it's great and i'm really looking forward to i haven't seen it in a, a good long while um i'm looking forward to see it on its 25th anniversary and hope you guys will enjoy that celebration with us that's what we'll be doing next week and until then i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya